Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first and, uh, you know, maybe last installment of Coach the Next Play. This is Coach coming to you. What's going on here? What's the point of this? Well, this is a podcast for coaching, for coaches, for parents, for whoever wants to know more about what goes on behind the scenes, because most people have no clue what goes on behind the scenes. Why is it called Coach the Next Play? Because after a lifetime of coaching, I've recognized that you can't coach the last play. You can't coach the last race. You got to coach the next play. You got to coach the next race. You should never ask an athlete why. You should tell the athlete what to do next. And that's where I'm coming from with coach the next play. So who am I and why should you actually maybe listen to what I got to say? Well, I am a coach who's been coaching for well over 20 years. I grew up in New York. I played every sport imaginable. Uh, I was a year-round swimmer. I played baseball. I played soccer, which I sucked at. Uh, but in high school, I was a varsity football player and lacrosse player, played a bunch of hockey. Um, and I went on to play lacrosse in college. And uh, moved to the great state of Georgia. Yeah, I ended up in the South. I am 100% a damn Yankee. Um, how did I end up in Georgia? Well, I went home after college with no plan, no direction to coach. My coaching career started in high school. I got uh, hired to be a lifeguard and a swim team coach at a great pool in the great town, neither a town nor a city, with the benefits of neither, White Plains, New York. Go Rocky Ledge. And I coached swimming there, and when I graduated college with literally no plan, because I thought that playing lacrosse would be it, uh, I went home, I coached that summer swim team, I made some money, I packed up my car, I put some clothes in a bag, and I put my lacrosse gear in the back of my car, and I started driving down the eastern seaboard, and lo and behold, I ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, because I had a friend who had a place where I could stay for about three months free of charge, and I've been here ever since, and my wife is a damn Yankee as well. I moved a 1,000 miles south to marry a girl who grew up probably 30 minutes from me. My kids uh, are, you know, they're born in the South, but as I say all the time, Southern by birth, Yankee by the grace of God. And speaking of the Yanks, go Yanks, get that wild card, let's keep rolling. So I'm here in the state of Georgia, and when I moved here, I had no direction whatsoever, no plan. And I was on a website, and it turned out that there was a, a, a team looking for some coaching. In the state of Georgia at the time, there were four lacrosse teams. They were all private schools, and there were four public schools looking to start teams. And I said, all right, I'll go coach at one of these brand-new lacrosse teams. And I go out there, and the guy who was the head coach, uh, great Great guy, Che Barber. Shout out to you, man. Um, I fell in love with coaching immediately. 
I fell in love with it. I loved being on the field. I loved coaching the guys, and it was amazing. And that was it. I was sold. And the following year, I got a job at a different high school uh, teaching, and I was coaching football, and I was coaching swimming and diving. The sport that I quit in seventh grade, which my sister, who was an All-American swimmer in college, thinks is hilarious and I'm still coaching swimming and diving despite the fact that I, I quit and you can't get me near a pool or in a pool. Um, so she thinks it's, it's ironic, uh, which it probably is. I'm not sure if I know the definition of irony. Um, but you know, I got a job coaching and teaching at this other high school and, um, still coaching lacrosse at, at the public school, Eventually, we got lacrosse at the school that I was coaching at, and uh, for about better part of a decade, I was coaching three sports, um, football, swimming and diving, lacrosse. I was the head coach of swimming and diving, the head coach of lacrosse, and after about a decade of that, when my son was born, my daughter was born earlier, but when my son was born, it just became too much. I stepped away from coaching football. And I will get back into coaching football because, God, football is awesome. Um, in fact, my son had a great football game today. Got to love youth football. Got to love 11-year-olds running around cracking skulls. It's fantastic. It's America. Um, and so I was coaching swimming and diving and lacrosse. And then eventually I actually stepped away from lacrosse, which was very surprising to everybody but I stepped away from coaching high school boys lacrosse because I wanted to coach my kids in lacrosse. And so I've been coaching them. I was coaching girls lacrosse, my daughter's girls lacrosse team for a while. I've been coaching my son in lacrosse for his entire career. Um, never lost a league championship, actually. Um, he, he doesn't, you know, um, so I'm pretty proud of that. Um, and then th this year, I'm actually going to start coaching high school girls lacrosse at the school that I work at because my daughter is going to be a freshman next year. And, you know, just if you want something done right, do it yourself. So that's where I'm coming from. And I'm coming from a position where I have been at this for a long time and I've learned a lot of lessons and I have failed at a lot of things coaching wise and learned a ton of stuff from the failures. You know, it's all about learning from what you fail at, you know, like my high school coach. And I had the benefit <laughs> or, or some of my teammates might've said not a benefit uh, for being coached by the same man um, in high school, in football and lacrosse, same guy. And uh, I appreciate everything that he did, not at the time, you know, it, it wasn't something I appreciated necessarily at the time. It was tough. It was hard. It was like playing for somebody that you thought was evil, potentially. But now as an adult male, as an adult father, and as a coach, uh, everything makes sense. And I realized that he was a very smart man and knew what he was doing. And it took me a lot of time to realize that. And for a long time, 
I hadn't talked to him and I reconnected with him, you know, not too long ago. And it was one of the best things I've ever done. Um, I lost my father, uh, you know, about a decade ago. And I just love being able to at least, you know, text, call, you know, my high school coach for advice. And, um, you know, he's given me advice and I've learned so much from him when I didn't even realize I was learning from him. And I think that people don't appreciate what you learn necessarily from coaches unless you maybe become one. And that's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing, because I'm a parent. I have two kids. Uh, my daughter is a very competitive lacrosse player, uh, a very competitive swimmer, and my son uh, is a very competitive lacrosse player. Uh, he plays football. Uh, he plays basketball. And one of the things that, that I learned a long time ago is don't be that parent because I am a coach, but I'm also a parent, and it's hard at times to do that. And one of the great things that I learned from my high school coach was how to balance that. And not every parent was on board. And that's okay, you know. Uh, and parents are probably one of the biggest Achilles heels of sports in today's world. And I get it because I am a parent and we're all very competitive but that's kind of the point of this podcast is I want to let people know what goes on behind the scenes and to appreciate coaches, especially those who are volunteer coaches who don't get paid. And everybody always says, you know, you don't get into coaching for the money. Well, if you're Nick Saban, you're getting the damn money, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, that being said, if Nick Saban decided to coach my favorite team, please come on in. He is the greatest college football coach of all time. But that old adage is, you know, you don't get into coaching for the money. It typically ring, rings true. It's not about the money. You know, those who coach, coach typically because we can't let go of that competitive nature. We've got to have that in our, in our lives. I'm 44 years old. I'm coming off of ACL surgery and I'm going to start playing lacrosse yet again. Why did I have ACL surgery? Because I blew my knee out playing lacrosse as a 44 year old. That competitiveness doesn't go away. It doesn't ever leave your body. And we try to instill that in our kids and it's healthy. But at the same time, sometimes it becomes unhealthy when it comes to the relationship between parents and coaches. And so, again, the point of my podcast is, look, here's the deal. Coaching is hard. Coaching is difficult. Coaching is the hardest thing you can do for a lot of not good money, right? You get into it. And the next thing you know is you're not making money, but you're still in it because you're competitive and you want to pass down love of the game to the kids. One of the greatest things as a parent that I can ever witness 
is the love of the game in my kids. When my daughter is up my butt about this lacrosse stick or this lacrosse stick, and I have no idea what the hell she's talking about, I realize, my God, she is totally in this. You know, when my son says, hey, dad, you want to go throw a football in the front yard? Imagine a world where a dad would say no to that because that's what we want to instill in those kids. So coach the next play, though, is all about move forward. Don't worry about what happened. And this is lesson number one to anybody out there, parents, coaches, whoever's listening. Never, ever, ever ask an athlete why. Because that means that you're coaching the last play or you're coaching the last race. That means that you're not coaching the next race or the next play. Don't ever say, where were you? Don't ever say, why weren't you there? Don't ever say, Why didn't you go faster? Don't ever say, why did you false start? That is totally and completely unproductive. Coach the next race. Coach the next play. Because what happened already happened. And I'm telling you this because I learned this. This is not something that is, you know, part of intuition. And it's not something that I wasn't tasked with as a coach. You know, I have made a lot of mistakes and we're going to talk about that. If this podcast goes on, we're going to talk about the mistakes. It's all about learning lessons. And I've learned a lot of lessons and I've had some great people teach me some amazing lessons about how to coach. And as a result, I have learned a lot about how to be a parent. When it comes to sports, I might not be the best parent, you know, in other senses. Some people say that, you know, it's a bit dysfunctional, but hey, I, you know, I'm a, I'm an an Irish American kid from New York. It's just the way it goes. But the thing about it is, is it's when it comes to coaching, when it comes to being a parent of athletes, you got to learn from your mistakes. And that's the key because we expect that out of athletes. Why, as a coach, would we not hold the same standard to ourselves? And that's part of my mantra as a coach. I am never, ever going to ask athletes to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And here's my best example of that. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, whatever, and you had the coach who said, get on the end line, get on the end line, and there you are, you're sucking canal water, you know, doing the conditioning, which is always 100% necessary, and you got a coach that's just blowing the whistle, and I had a coach one time tell me, Okay, I'm going to do it with you. And that lasted for one practice. One practice. He did it with us. He sucked. He pretended like he had to take a shit. So he took off. Right? When I started coaching, 
my thing was I am not going to sit there and be the coach who's going to blow the damn whistle. So I have always, always been out there with my players. I've done the sprints. I've done the stadiums. I've done the mileage. And you could go back and ask 20 years of athletes. I used to get in the pool, believe it or not. Of course, today, taking my shirt off in front of a bunch of high school girls, probably probably not acceptable. So I don't do that anymore. (laughs) But like I said, I'm going to be coaching girls across this coming spring. And I already told them, you got to run three miles in 24 minutes. And yesterday morning, I hit the 25-minute mark coming off ACL surgery because I'll be damned if I'm not going to run it in 24 minutes. And you can go back and you can talk to 22, 23, 24 years of athletes that I've coached. And if you ask them what was a major difference between him and somebody else, they would tell you it's because he never did or asked us to do anything he wouldn't do himself. I was fortunate enough to be at a Hall of Fame induction for the state of Georgia for one of my former athletes. Um, and it was, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. Um, he's, he, he's been coaching lacrosse for gosh, well over a decade. He's a college coach now. And we even talked about it and some of his teammates, guys, other guys that I coached were there. And I'm not saying this to pump up myself, but what I'm telling everybody out there who wants to listen and maybe nobody's listening that you got to be ready to put your money where your mouth is. You've got to be ready to say, I'm going to do what it takes. Just like I'm demanding of you to do what it takes to win. Because if we didn't care about winning, we wouldn't keep score. And a lot of people say, you know, winning isn't everything. And you know what? That's right. Winning isn't everything. But here's the thing. Winning can be looked at in lots of different ways. Winning is something that is, it's, it's intangible, right? Yeah, we want the score to go our way. Absolutely. Am I pissed when we don't have the score go our way? Yeah. But at some point, I want to look at my athletes And as an athlete, I want to ask myself the question, did you go down swinging? Because I don't care if you go down, but did you go down swinging? And unfortunately in my life, (laughs) that's been kind of like a, a literal thing, you know? I've gone down swinging in too many, you know, parking lots and too many bars. But that's the key. Did you go down swinging? Accepting a loss is unacceptable. Fighting till the end and losing is acceptable. That's the key. You know, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss, right? But if you're going to lose, you got to go down swinging. And it starts from the top down. It starts from the coaches. If you don't want your team to roll over and die, When the chips are down, then it starts with you.
And parents understand that it is a harder job than you can possibly imagine. And you can sit there on the sideline and you can hoot and holler and you can scream. But until you want to strap it on and get out there and do that job for nothing, then shut your mouth. Cheer your kids on. Boo the other team. I'm not one of those touchy-feely guys that says you can't be against the other team. I'm sick of that garbage. You can be against the other team all you want. Boo the other team. Cheer your guys on. Accept the fact that there are coaches on the sideline who are doing what they do for love of the game. Period. Whether they're getting paid or not. Even Nick Saban, who makes five gazillion dollars a year. Why does he do what he does? Love of the game. Does he love football? Damn right. Because love of the game just overcomes everything. I've been coaching youth lacrosse. (laughs) I don't get paid. I win championships. Why do I do it? Love of the game. Love of the game. And love of my son. Love of my daughter. Because, again, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And a lot of people have said, well, why don't you spread this word? Why don't you get out there? Why don't you do a podcast? Why don't you talk about this stuff? And for a long time, I said... Nah, nobody wants to hear from me. Well, you know what? I'm inspired now. And maybe this is a one and done. I don't know. But I've won championships. I've lost championships. Let me tell you, I've been to the top of the mountain. I've been to the bottom of the gorge. I've been all over the place. But there is one constant, and that is the kids. And if you're doing it right, the kids will always, always come back. I got a coaching staff for high school in swimming and diving, which is made up of kids that competed for me. When I was coaching lacrosse, still boys lacrosse, I had kids that competed for me. I've been to their weddings. And it's not because I'm special. It's because I learned how to do it right. My children have had lunch with my high school coach who then proceeded to show them turtles in a pond. And he was talking as if he wasn't that guy, that ominous figure in my life. And I thought to myself, who is this guy? But I realized very quickly that It was as much about him appreciating the fact that he got to see the fruits of his labor, that one of his athletes, one of his former athletes, who there's a picture, several pictures on the wall of his garage teams from high school. My kid said, hey, daddy, that's you. And I said, yeah, that's me. Look at that. That's me. That's me. But the, 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 the warmth 
of him knowing of what I appreciated and doing that and bringing my kids, and it's not the last time it's going to happen, means that coaches matter. Are there bad coaches out there? There's bad coaches out there. Okay? There's bad teachers. There's bad everything. There's evil in the world, people. I don't care what anybody says. There is evil in the world. There's bad coaches. But before you condemn a coach for winning or losing as a bad coach, see what they're doing. See what their message is. Are you getting the right message? Is a coach hard on the kids? The answer should be yes. You got to be hard. It's not easy doing sports. So that's what this podcast is going to be about. So we'll see what happens. This is installment number one of Coach the Next Play. Guys, this is Coach signing off. And just remember, every time, coach them up.